listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from MegaWin Kill Guard Studios. Here we go, Bass Edge Radio, May 1st edition, Aaron. I know you're a huge baseball fan, and Cardinal's off to a interesting start <laughs> after, yeah, after you doing back. very well. I mean, you know, he's, he's, right, right? he's the DH. Exactly. So I know you're a huge baseball fan. you got to be happy to have a first month of MLB under your belt. And we may get into that a little bit here today, but uh, we're going to get into some bass fishing. want to welcome everybody to another great episode, of course, of Bass Edge Radio. And as always, Kurt, as we know, all things Bass Edge brought to us by our great friends at MegaWare Keelguard right there in Ogden, Utah. All of the products that every single one of us need on our boats and personal watercraft from the first do-it-yourself keel protector, the skeg guard, the battery guard, all of those things that really just help protect our boats. And uh, certainly all those things can be checked out at keelguard.com. Kurt, you know, I think it might have been maybe the April 1st show. I might be a an episode or so off, but we were talking concerning the cancellation of tournaments, right? And yeah. I, I believe through an, in our conversation concerning Bass Blaster, Jay had brought up that there's more stuff being canceled now than ever. And I'm kind of want to throw out to you, is is that like the new trend with what we're seeing yeah, in, here in the last few weeks? You know, I got no idea, Aaron. You're right. Jay brought that up uh, through his Bass Blaster newsletter over the last couple of weeks. And uh, man, it's, it's interesting. You got two Toyota events. You got one at, you know, this is the MLF organization. You got one there at uh, Santee Cooper, two days canceled. So they had a one day shootout. And then you had uh, Lake Texoma Toyota Series event that also had two days canceled, which resulted in a one day shootout. Then you had a BASS open event on Lake Cherokee that had one day canceled that that resulted in, you know, just a shortening of the event. And uh, man, it seems like there's just some I don't know if it's the weather's getting more crazy than it used to, or we're just getting more cautious because our boats are making longer runs. We're just thinking that, you know, anglers need to uh, be able to make those runs to areas they want to fish rather than just dealing with the conditions of the day. I remember yeah. back in the day, they would let you go. No, yeah, almost, yeah. almost no matter it, what. It, it could be a whiteout of fog or, or four foot, you know, rollers inside the no wake buoys and, and it's, it's go time. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember blasting off in the middle of thunderstorms, <laughs> you know, in the 90s. It was it was absolutely nuts. Of course, we didn't have the same weather details that we do today, which play a big role. Of course, boats were different, too. Much fewer people made long runs. Now, it, it seems to be pretty standard. That yeah, and I think way. I do think, Kurt, you know, with the popularity of the sport, at least with the circuits that I'm exposed to, the fields, I mean, you know, the Ozark division on the MLF BFL, you know, we're running full fields, 230. I mean, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it, but it is interesting. And, you know, while we're on the topic of competitive fishing, what about Christy at Chick and then Ott at, was it, Palestine? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So you got the uh, recent Bassmaster Elite Series champion, now two-time winner in 2022, Jason Christie. Of course, won the Classic earlier this year, now takes a title at Chickamauga in between a tough, tough event he had there at Santee Cooper where he finished in the bottom 10 or so of the field. So just goes to show. You know, it's it's not easy out there. I'll just say that, even for the best in the world. But, uh, yeah, man, Jason got the win. He's breaking in the cash this year. I think he's over... 
you know, four or 500 grand already. And, uh, shoot, we're, we're here at May one. That's unbelievable. Yeah. His quarterly Um, estimates are going to be a little higher than normal. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I got to throw this at you. You mentioned Ott winning the MLF heavy hitters, uh, on the Bass Pro Tour over there at Lake Palestine. Kind of an interesting event. They had a three pound minimum. There was, uh, you know, which which resulted in some fewer fish being caught, but it was a heavy hitters event. But but here I want to throw this at you, Aaron. Notice that Alton Jones Jr. won 50k for Big Bass of one of the days. He won 100k for Big Bass of the tournament. This is Alton Jones Jr. He finished in the top 10, so his total earnings were a little over 160 thousand dollars in total. The winner of the event, Odd Defoe, walked home with 100 grand. So, yeah. out and just for catching some big fish, one's 161, out wins a 100. What's your take on that? You know, I, I will say this. It, it seems a little off to me. However, let me also throw out the disclaimer that all anglers participating in this kind of knew, you know, the rules and, and knew the payout situation. But of to course, me, as course. an observer, right, at the high ranks of professional, right, these are the top guys, yourself and, and all of them that compete and do this for a living. It seems uh, a little off to be kind of placing so much emphasis on just the big fish in my opinion i i think the the skill level you know of, of going out and putting together a tournament win as we all know of whether it's you know a five fish limit or trying to catch you know total weight and and continuing to be consistent uh takes takes a lot more skill whereas in my opinion a bigger fish there's a little more luck involved but hey that's just me kurt what about you yeah yeah, well, it is a special event, so I, I kind of get that. You've got uh, a lot of big bass series around the country, you know, th- that, that weekend anglers participate in, which are super cool events, and and people win a lot of money. Actually, I saw that uh, someone there on, I believe it was Table Rock, won two big bass events in the same weekend. His last name was Harrison. So I saw that actually through, through another newsletter. So I think they're trying to relate to – Maybe some other weekend anglers, so the heavy hitters obviously being a special format. But I still believe the winner of the event that caught more big bass throughout it to have the heaviest weight probably should take home more of the money. But uh, who knows? It's it's just an interesting concept. And good for MLF on, on putting this event on because it is pretty cool with an emphasis on big bass rather than the standard, you know, catch as many as you can way and release so uh it's it's an interesting concept but i thought those numbers kind of jumped out but <laughs> yeah for sure one thing aaron is that several of those big fish that out jones jr caught during the event including the biggest was caught on a bait made by g crack and we're going to move in to segment b now and the g crack usa president kazuki kitajima is going to join us talking about g crack baits what's special about g crack baits so that we can all learn more about new japanese lure companies coming into the u.s market y'all stay tuned we're gonna be right back nitro performance bass boats get pro level performance with the nitro z18 the official boat of major league fishing the z18 with its nimble handling and versatility sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line like a guardian live well a heavily insulated cooler dual eight foot rod storage and our smooth and fast nvt hull every nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well catch fish 
Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Aaron, one of the newest lure companies to come over to the USA from its origins, Japan, is G-Crack. Some of our listeners may have heard of it before, some maybe not. We always like to bring new information, obviously, to our listeners, but certainly this lure company is making some waves in this trendy lure market. To tell us more about the G-Crack brand and what makes it unique is G-Crack USA president, Kazuki Kitajima. Thanks for stopping by here on Bass Edge, Kazuki. Thank you guys for having me, Carl. Glad to be here. Well, Kazuki, uh, appreciate you bringing the knowledge on this new hot product in the bass fishing industry. You know, the buzz I see in the U.S. right now is the plastics and the SAF material. What makes, I guess, that different than other plastics? And, and what advantages does it provide anglers looking for more bites? Well, Aaron, I'm, I'm kind of glad you asked me about this material. It's actually be pronounced as SAF material. And uh, many of our anglers may be drawn from the uniqueness, like unique design of our bait. But what makes our bait so different and special is this material. It stands for like salt, amino acid, and flavor. So SAF material. And, you know, we all know salt is, is great for the base. You know, we got Gary Yamamoto starting from the Senko's, you know, good salt heavy content. And what makes it different from our material from other base is amino acid. Amino acid is, it's called umami in Japanese. Uh, if you are in the restaurant or food business, you might know this term, but it's, it's like an essence of good taste or good flavor. Uh, it, it's what people recognize as a good taste. And this amino acid, it's like, if you taste the bait, <laughs> I, I don't recommend, but if you taste the bait. I was just it, thinking, it actually, should I, should I start eating more G crack? <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend you eating it, but if you taste it, if you just, you know, put your, put it on your tan, you look, actually can kind of taste it like a, it has some taste to it. It's not like just a plastic taste. It's got good taste in it. <laughs> so I, I, we definitely believe in this, that uh, fish can taste this difference as well. And also the flavor, it's very unique too. It's Flavor is not just rubbed on the surface. It's in the material. It's in the process of making the material. So it lasts longer and it, just, it, it gets stronger as well. It's made with shrimp flavor and some special essence in there. And many, many people uh, kind of make fun of it. Like it kind of smells like Fritos, but it, it does like <laughs> smell like Fritos. <laughs> Now I really need to eat some of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it's it is very strong too. So like you know, if you lift leave it in the boat or in the car, car it's it's strong. <laughs> What's cool is just like a different plastic or different design of a plastic will attract a bass. I also believe now you know G crack taking it to the next level of a different scent and different taste for the bass. Mm. So maybe if they've tasted some other lure companies that now has a different. taste taste or different smell so they may be more attracted or interested to to bite the lure so i think that's pretty cool the design specifically of several of the g-crack lures like the bellows gill really mm -hmm. different than a traditional plastic in the u.s um what is the biggest draw for that design from anglers and i see it working in unique ways can you discuss some techniques 
anglers can implement that are non-traditional? Yes, definitely. Um, you know, the bellhook scale is a very unique bait. Uh, it's got very deep reefs in it. It shapes like kind of like a bluegill. That's why it's called Bellows Gill, but that deep rib, it makes different from other baits. There are so there were some ribs baked before and there are some you know good ones as well right now. Right. But that deep ribs uh create lots of action, lots of movement when you move it. And one of the most popular uh rigs, uh, the free rig, it's kinda new now, but it's very popular in Japan. It's pretty much you use like a drop shot weight. It's round weight instead of uh, bullet weight. You don't want to use the peg. The sinker is free. It goes down to the bottom first, and then just the bait follows really slow. And that time lag right there, it makes really fish go crazy. And it free rig can be fish around cover. Uh, you can fish deep um, as well. Can kind of like a Carolina rig. So it's very like, versatile way to rig it. And Bell's skill will match it really perfectly because um, Bell's Gill imitates blue as like a big shad and fish around shad, fish around deep ledge uh, where bass are following big shad. And they are really great way to catch fish. And also there's another way actually that's getting popular in Japan is uh, neckle rig, uh, neckle rigging Bell's Gill. Um, mm. You know, usually people use nickel rig with like a straight worm but um, bell's gill if you rig it nick rig way it makes a crazy action um and especially right now around beds around shallow they they go nuts um and we actually have a like a wacky super bell's gill is so big uh so voluming and and just regular o-ring uh rubber band won't do it so you have to use some special tool to for it. And it, our wacky stopper called Nickel Hacks makes it really easy. And it's very unique, cool stuff uh, that they, people should try with the bell skill. That is cool. I, I've even last year at the U.S. Open, I saw a West Coast angler drop shotting the small bellows gill. Cool. Yeah, definitely. You know, the bellows gill actually comes in 2.8 2 inch, 2.8 inch, 3.8 and 5.8. So there are so many different ways you can rig it. Only drop shot is a great way for a smaller one. For like 5.8 big one, you can rig it with a like a weighted, weighted hook, like a weighted swim, swim bait hook, and fish are uncovered, fish on top. Uh, some people are catching giant on that thing too. So Very, very interesting. You know, because uh, I see some of the hard baits beginning to pop up in the U.S. market. On you know, Although many more, I guess, are available on gcrack.com site, what do you see as kind of the plan for – correct to continue growing in the U.S. Yes, we did. We right now for as, as far as hard bait goes, some cool swim bait called Gilling Neo, uh, Gilling 125. Those are great swim bait imitating bluegill. But right now we are working on uh, like signature bait series with Alton Jones Jr. ML, MLF Pro. Uh, we are working on some hard bait with him as well, swim bait, also maybe crankbait and stuff like that, top water. So definitely, um, yeah, look for those some new baits. Uh, Kazuki, yes, rapid growth of G-Crack, uh, mostly due, I feel, to the uniqueness of the product. Um, mm-hmm. But recently, I saw Alton Jones Jr. in the Heavy Hitters event caught two yep. of the biggest bass of the event. He won over $150,000 just mm-hmm. using G-Crack baits to, to catch 
the biggest fish of the event. Can you dive a little bit more into, uh, I think he, I saw a bass fan that he has at your color coming out, but also in a new style of lure that you're going to be uh, releasing here in the next several months. Yes, it was very cool uh, to watch him catching those big ones. Uh, it, it was he was using a new bait, his new signature series bait called Bellows Shad. Uh, it's kind of like Bellows Gill, but it's just a little bit slim down version of uh, Bellows Gill. And what makes it really unique is that you can actually pitch it around cover. Um, you can fish with the bladed jigs. I mean, with the Bellows Gill and for that, but Alvin uh, Jones Jr. he wanted to be able to fish a little faster when he's fishing cover with the bait, and also uh, with the bladed jig trailer, um, it makes more action in the tail side. Right. So it's definitely like worse for him <laughs> fishing around the bed and stuff, just like Bill's Gill. And he's losing his signature color as well. Um, I think the color he was using the event was. Uh, AJ Juice, it's kind of like a green pumpkin and the purple uh, flake in it. He loves that color, but also we've got a couple of other signature colors as well. So, yeah, definitely uh, we, we, we're excited about this bed. It's going to be released this summer, so around the of time. Wow. Well, uh, exciting to see that. And, and Kazuki, you know, just want to say thank you for carving out time. I know uh, since uh, Alton Jr.'s win there, I'm sure you guys are – phone's been ringing off the hook. And speaking of which, what what are the best ways to <laughs> yeah. to follow G-Crack's growth and for Bass Edge Nation to learn more about uh, about your baits and how to get them? It's probably the best way is our social media. Uh, we, we are on Facebook and Instagram. And that's definitely the way to follow our uh, trend over there. And uh, right now, there are several retailers available nationwide. Um, as far as online goes, Tackle Warehouse, uh, we got Tackle Warehouse there, uh, Fish USA, Toscana uh, Fishing Tackle, Three Rivers, um, Beckers, and Hammonds in Georgia. So, then go check them out. No, that's fantastic, and certainly look forward to doing that. Kazuki, again, thanks for uh, thanks for taking out time. Thanks for sharing it and uh, making this available to not only uh, all bass fishermen, but certainly giving us the inside scoop here on Bass Edge Radio. Hey, to all Bass Edge Nation, don't go anywhere, as Kurt and I will be coming right back with this episode's featured angler spotlight. Hang right there. We'll be right back. This is MLF Pro Circuit title champion Jimmy Washam. This is professional angler Andrew Upshaw. This is BASS Elite Series champion Brian Schmidt. This is BASS Open champion Nick LeBrun right here on Bass Edge Radio. Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Mm-hmm. 
springtime seems to be a tricky time of year to catch fish consistently. So much movement going on. For most of the southern USA, we're moving into that post-spawn period. And we're going to review all aspects of spring and early summer fishing, but specifically how to target bigger tournament winning fish. If you've watched any of the BASS events this year, you know he's been extremely successful in these early season tournaments the past several years. Let's get right to it with BASS Elite Series angler, Brian New. Brian, welcome back on Bass Edge Radio. Thanks for having me. Yeah, springtime fishing, it's, uh, I love it. I mean, I, <laughs> I love fishing anytime, but springtime is, it's, uh, it can be really good. I would second that, Brian. One of my favorite times of year, not only are the bass in on the bank, but all species. You never know what you're going to catch. You get lots of bites, and uh, certainly even just for the weekend angler, it keeps the interest and kind of that desire to keep going back out there. You know, Brian, interestingly enough, like Kurt said, welcome back, and you're one of the very few uh, in the history of all 375 episodes that has appeared on Bass Edge, not only as a co-angler winner, but also now in the front of the boat at the highest level. So hats off to you. Congratulations. You know, it began with last year's early spring St. John's win. It has continued recently with day one Bassmaster Classic lead, day one BASS open lead on Lake Cherokee. Are you targeting, I guess, a bigger than average fish in the spring with certain baits or patterns? Because it's apparent that you've figured out how to tap into something that is unique. You know, I've never really looked at it that way. Typically, when I go to an event, that event's the only thing that matters. And it's, you know, obviously it's all about trying to figure out what's going on and, you know, trying to do the best in that event. And kind of sitting back and looking at it, when you're in that spawn, pre-spawn, according to where you are in the country, fish use different things to stage and, and different areas to spawn, like you know, Florida, they typically stage in offshore grass or, you know, on shell beds. And then once they go to spawn, they'll move up to the reeds or lily pads, whatever it may be, and then kind of move up somewhat north. I wouldn't call it north, but northern from Florida, you know, the lakes are just set up differently. But kind of backing up, it seems like those pre-spawn fish, a lot of times, certain lakes, you can find them stacked up. And then, like, kind of go towards the classic, like this year, they were staging on shallow flat docks. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you were just, there was just one fish per dock. Obviously, it's every dock. So it was, it was more of a pattern in that situation than it was, say, down in Florida. Um, technique wise, typically it's like a one two punch, it's a moving bait and a pick apart bait, you know, a slow bait, like a lake that sets up like Hartwell. You know, it's a swim bait and a jig and, you know, maybe mixing in a wacky worm or, or a Nico, something like that. Kind of go back to uh, a grass fishery. It's somewhat the same thing, but it may be, you know, a lipless bait like a spro shad or a square bill or a chatter bait for your moving bait. And then a zoom slinky for your pick apart bait. It definitely depends on how the fishery sets up, you know, what kind of structure you have and how the fish set up on those lakes so i couldn't really narrow it down to one or two baits but i would say a slow pick apart bait or cleanup bait i wouldn't really call it a cleanup bait in that situation because it's not really a cleanup bait it's 
it's more of a slow pick apart bait and then obviously a, a reaction bait that's good stuff right now you talked a little bit there about uh florida talked a little bit there about the uh hartwell event there at the classic how about cherokee you throw cherokee into the mix obviously hartwell's a little flatter florida's obviously flat but more grass and then you take a, a fishery like cherokee that you excelled in where you have you know steeper banks and and uh obviously a lot more rock in that situation what was your what was your key to success there as far as how you were able to uh, target bigger fish? Yeah, so Cherokee obviously was more similar to Hartwell than it would be the St. John's River or anywhere right, in Florida. Right. But the same deal there, I was targeting pre-spawn fish. And I'm sure, I mean, there's a chance that a few of the fish were actually were spawning. I couldn't, couldn't see them. And I really don't feel like they were, but the places they were setting up, there is a potential that some of them are spawning. But, um, you know, Cherokee's a drawdown lake. Um, you know, being from North Carolina, we growing up, you fish lakes, and, yeah, they'll get high or low, but it's, you know, a couple feet either way. And uh, we never really experienced the drawdown lake until I started traveling. I didn't even realize that they did that on certain lakes. But Cherokee, every single year, you know, a lot of lakes, but Cherokee and you know, since we're talking about it, you know, they'll draw it down 15, 20 foot every, right. every winter and then, you know, fill it back up, you know, once it gets late in the spring or early summer. And that being said, I think Cherokee was 13 feet low when we were there. And there's a lot of stuff in the water, but there's not a lot of, you know, good stuff in the water. You've either got flat pea gravel banks. Well, I should say, you know, more sloping pea gravel banks where all it is is pea gravel or right. bluffs. And then you have, you know, a transition bank where it's a flat pea gravel bank and there's little shelf rock. Just, you know, it may be 20, 30 feet of it, but you have these little stretches of bank that have, that it's just basically a little shelf. And, uh, you know, that's basically what I was fishing there. You know, I was Did you have kind of the same one-two punch where you were using a reaction bait and a, and a pick-apart bait, as you put it? Absolutely. And, you know, that would be a uh, swim bait. I was throwing like a five-inch swim bait and, you know, a little small finesse jig, greenfish tackle, BLD finesse jig. And, uh, you know, it kind of backing up a little bit. Cherokee has a lot of smallmouth in it. I wasn't right. particularly targeting smallmouth, but I was catching, you know, I, was, I think I weighed in one or two smallmouth every day but those smallmouth were mixed in with the largemouth and kind of on a situation like that a lake like that the fish they're going to go in these creeks they're going to go in these pockets coves and spawn so you know they live on the lake all year all winter but then when it gets time to spawn they know it's time and they, they start moving up and i start looking at the mouths of these places anything near the mouth of a spawning area you know a spawning area in Florida, it's completely different than it would be on, you know, that type of lake uh, sure. or a normal non-grass lake. Now, of course, the fish will spawn out on a point or just a straight bank, but they definitely like pockets and creeks and stuff like that, a bay, something to kind of get out of the wind, get out of the current if they, you know, if they have that. But throughout a week, typically one of those factors is going to come in, so... They like to get in those areas to, you know, just have more protection. So starting at the mouth of those places is really where I start now. You don't have that shelf rock just everywhere. So you kind of... How do you locate that? Is it a sonar deal or, or you just kind of see no, it, you know, based on thing. the type of bank? Yeah, I mean, you can kind of 
sometimes you can look at your map. You can zoom out on your map and get an idea because it'll be like the way it contours. It'll be a flatter bank, and then all of a sudden one little stretch of the bank will get real tight. But like at Cherokee, actually, when I finally figured that little deal out, I rode around not the entire lake, but the whole section of the lake that I wanted to fish, from the dam to just above the bridge, um, which is – it's really most of the pretty much the whole lake because it turns into the river after there. Yeah. So I, I rode in every single pocket, every single arm, just marking those places that looked right. You know, that last day of practice once I figured that deal out. And um I caught some fish, but I really caught most of my fish in one little place and it was amazing that there were so many fish in there and it kept reloading because I was there was actually another guy that was fishing that area, a buddy of mine that I knew. He <laughs> He beat me there the first day, and I was like, dang it. And um, he actually kind of taught me something that day that, you know, I wasn't planning on doing so much. But it was, it was amazing that there was so many fish in that that one little small area. But there was a lot of bait. There was some deeper water close by. The way it set up, I'm assuming that the fish were there all winter on bait because there was a lot of bait close by in this ditch. Right. And um, and there was there still were fish on that bait in the ditch. I didn't target that just because i wasn't able to make that work in practice but you know it, it had so many fish in that area so it kept them reloaded on the bank so brian once you get to the spawning cycle do you keep fishing and moving or is it typically your style to slow down um, with your presentations and kind of try and you know squeeze more out of the area yeah i definitely slow down um you know i used to be put the troll motor on high and cover as much water as possible. And, and from time to time, I still am that way. But to me, it seems like, you know, I've learned over the years, no matter where you're at in the country, how the lake sets up. If you can get a few quality bites fairly quick, you need to slow down and really pick things apart. The second day of that event, every single fish I weighed in, I caught more fish, you know, throughout the day, but the ones that I weighed in that final day come in this one small area. Um, and I'm going to say, I mean, obviously it wasn't a straight line, but if you stretch the bank out, make it a straight line, I would say it's 400 yards. Um, it's not that big of an area. And it took me probably three and a half hours to fish that whole stretch because what I was doing, I was, I was throwing my swim bait and then I would flip. And I'd flip my little jig and pick every little crack in the rock apart. And when you're in an area that and really picking it apart that way, you really need to slow down and be stealthy and quiet. So, you know, trolling motors like on one, you're just making as little noise as possible, just being as stealthy as possible. And, and that definitely makes a huge difference. But yeah, so definitely slow down. Once, once you find an area and you get a few quality bites, there's more fish there so i just i definitely slow down and really pick it apart i've always found brian that you know kind of what you were mentioning that when bass start funneling into a zone you know maybe off flat or an area that a lot of fish do winter together you know big parts of you know areas of bait fish your intuition told you that that there was a lot of fish that probably wintered out there i've always found that you know especially guiding on lake amistad these fish won't start this migration it's like a giant parade 
<laughs> they just all keep funneling into the same areas if you're around a large population of fish and they'll continue to reload and reload whereas if it's just a few fish you might pick a fish off here or there but they they just don't keep coming back you know day after day or, or even in some cases week after week as the cycle continues so it's interesting you mentioned that too i'll tell you what we're going to do we're going to jump from this kind of pre-spawn talk where you've been so successful in catching bigger fish and kind of dive into you know what's going to be happening in the southern part of the state which is post-spawn so y'all stay tuned we're going to power pole down but we're going to be right back pick brian's brain a little bit more about post-spawn fishing right here on bass edge radio Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio, presented in part by Mercury Marine, returns with BASS Elite Series angler Brian New in his featured angler spotlight. Mercury Marine, go boldly. Brian, I'd say, you know, spring is tricky in general, but the trickiest time in the spring is probably this post-spawn period, which a lot of the southern half of the U.S. is is you know, rolling right into here in the first of May. So much is going on with the shad spawn, fry garters, even, you know, the beginning of bluegill beds developing. What is your first strategy to look for in this, you know, post-spawn period? You're right. It is definitely one of the toughest times, but it's the time I love. I mean, the fish get so spread out. By this point in the year, they've had a lot of pressure, um, no matter where you're at in the country. And, you know, pressure really hurts fishing. So if I get to a lake and, I mean, you can tell if the shad phone's going on pretty quick, you know, from birds sitting on the bank or whatever it may be, that's definitely one of the first things that I look for because it's an easy meal. I mean, you know, the shad's up there, they're doing their thing, and they're right cover so they're easy for the bass to target and the bass can basically just sit there and, and gorge as much as they want to whenever they want to so it's a super easy target for the fish right after the spawn but that being said you know the pressure once again it really has a huge effect on that and um it's not like oh i've got this magic spot out deep that nobody knows about um it's just any bank on the lake or you know any dock on the lake you know anybody can pull up on and catch those fish but that's definitely a starting place from there i typically try to start looking offshore a little bit you know up in the day i may may go get on some sea walls up shallow and and just look and see if i see cruisers or see any fish wolf packing because they they do that in the post spawn but it's a tricky deal it's hard to um at least for me, I've never been able to put together, okay, this is exactly what's going to be going on. Like, you know, pre-spawn, spawn, you know exactly where you need to go start for the most part, or, or at least know what to start looking for. Looking, and the post-spawn, yeah, yeah. the post-spawn it's, there's so many different things. It's hard to put your finger on one thing. It's like, you can't say, oh, they're going to be staging on this kind of stuff, so, or they're going to be spawning on this kind of stuff. It's, you got five or six, ten different things that the fish could be doing, so you've got to sample a little bit of all of it. 
But, you know, that Chad phone going back to hit again, that's definitely the starter. I mean, it really is. Well, and along those same lines, Brian, I, you know, I feel that I can get spun out after a few hours, first few hours, I should say, in the morning, if I only get a few bass on that type of bite or maybe topwater early. What advice or how can an angler stay consistent throughout the day and the event during the month of May? Yeah, so, like, the way, and, and it's kind of funny, like, I, I've done well. I've been successful for the last several years, like, I've just took that next step i've been things have been going better and honestly fishing's tough regardless i don't care where you go and when you go it's tough the worst anglers now are as good as the best anglers 25 years ago i agree with that i mean the technology the the you know from the electronics the rods reels line hooks baits everything so much better and so much more advanced nowadays you know if you want to learn how to fish you just get online and do some research for you know a couple days instead of going and spending years and years basically trial and error so it's a lot tougher but getting back to your question it doesn't matter if you catch them on the first five casts or last five casts if you just know that it's going to happen and you keep that in your head and you don't get down and you don't start making dumb decisions and just feeling like nothing you do is right, then typically you make it work throughout the day. I mean, perfect example, the first day of the Open at Kissimmee this year, I weighed in at 5'10 that day. I caught my first keeper at 3.15. I caught my fifth keeper, made two casts, ran in and had two minutes to spare. Now that day... It would have been so easy for anybody to spin out. I mean, I caught a few short fish, but I wasn't even catching hardly any fish. Um, <laughs> right. But I just knew, I said, it's going to happen. I've only got to catch five. Five such a small number, but it's so big at the same time. And, I mean, I had a great event there. I think, I, you know, I finished 24s, which realistically out of 200 and 25 boats that's a pretty daggum good turn that's a dang good finish absolutely it is and i mean so many people would have been done and you know i'm not saying that i'm never in that situation and don't spin out but and it is hard it's hard not to spin out sometimes i mean (laughs) look at chickamauga the other week (laughs) but even then i didn't spin out i was very frustrated but i didn't spin out Brian, the one thing I do like about May fishing is it kind of spreads people out a little bit, right? There is so much going on. You can start to peak offshore a little bit. Obviously, there's there's still a great bite up shallow. You got the shad spawn thing going on. You still got fish on docks, but you do start to get some fish offshore. And I feel like this kind of continues through the early part of June where you kind of get a real opportunity to spread anglers out on what is now crowded waterways all over the United States, right? So in thinking about about that a little bit do you try to specifically find something that's a little offbeat you know in this post-spawn and pre-spawn springtime patterns so that you're not fishing as crowded with other anglers and if so what are some of those strategies that you try to employ a little bit to keep i don't say some fish to yourself but to keep from fishing the same patterns that maybe a majority of the anglers are looking for yeah you know it is definitely something that you try to find you know something sneaky 
sneaky or whatever you want to call it. You know, everybody likes to call it, oh, I got me a sneak hole. Or, right, right, right. But nowadays it's so hard to find. I mean, one, because most of the lakes, there's been so many events to go to with all the live coverage now. And, and that stuff, it's awesome. It's great for our sport. But it just, everybody, not only us as professional anglers, all anglers are watching that stuff. And there's just no secrets anymore. Or there's no secret places. There's no secret techniques. So it's so hard to find something off the wall, something to yourself, something that not everybody's doing. So that being said, yes, I'd still try to find something like that, but it's so hard. And it's typically maybe, you know, something isolated, whether it's an isolated patch of grass or an isolated brush pile. It's more of a pattern deal than a place deal. But like I said, it's super hard to find, and it's a kind of a high-risk, high-reward kind of deal there, too. I mean, even then, you're taking the risk of it not working, which I guess always doesn't matter what you're doing. You're taking that risk of it not working, but it's more of a numbers thing. I mean, the more isolated targets you can get, the better chance you have of actually catching five. I mean, yeah, if you fish four of them, you don't have a good chance of catching five, but if you fish... 54 of them your odds are a lot better yeah for sure and and brian uh one more question before we head into the listener question segment i wanted to get your thoughts on quickly is looking ahead to your elite schedule this month you know you have lake fork in texas coming up generally a big bass factory um but curious to know how you will approach 2022 versus 2021 where you had you know a bit of a tough outing yeah i did um that's uh that's you a know, stinger right there <laughs> it is it is <laughs> through a dagger at me but you know destination lakes lake forks is awesome lake don't get me wrong it's got great big giant ones but it gets so much pressure that being said like last year the best thing i had going was spawning fish and i really don't like visually looking at fish on the bed in a tournament you know i've got a little better at that over the last year but so this year you know i think there's gonna be a lot of fish offshore we're a little bit later shad spawn's probably going to be going on the lake is really low right now so i think like that's going to have a huge effect on a lot of things i mean one it's slow there's you know less water there's less places for the fish to go still plenty of stuff in the water but less acreage i guess i should say for the place to go and get back in stuff but also it's going to make it even harder to run around um yeah. which it was already it was, it's already it, tough right <laughs> right in a lot of places that does that make it tough. a deal where you've got to kind of you know say well i'm going to concentrate on x and y creek and forget about a b and c creek just because it's that much more difficult or do you just try to keep covering water anyway how does that strategy for that event so i'm definitely going to feel like for this event maybe not so much practice but plans for the event is to have an area instead of a one deal running around because you just can't run around when you have that. So I'm definitely going to try to have, you know, a few different things in one small area so I can kind of have a home, so to speak. Plus, when they draw a lake down, typically it stacks the fish up better. You know, they have red out, so they have to get tighter. And, you know, that can be really good. I mean, some of the, you know, the lake I grew up on, Lake Wiley, the best fishing of mine entire life on that lake was you know it's happened two or three times in my life where uh, the lake was like seven eight foot low which is a tremendous amount of water for that kind of lake like so low that all the boat ramps are closed fortunate enough for me i lived on the lake 
So, yeah. you know, it's, you get a sneak hole to yeah. get in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you can see that in the house and uh, it just stacks the fish up so good. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, the lake was down really low. All the ramps were closed and it had a, a John boat with a troll motor. That's it. And uh, every day after school, I mean, we went and we smashed them. No electronics, nothing fancy, just old school fishing and smashing them. I mean, it was it was so good. The draw we'll be looking for that same kind of deal at Fork with that low water. It's going to be probably big schools of fish and, and potentially some crowding. You guys are going to have to work together out there a little bit. Oh, yeah, definitely going to be some crowding. I'm, I'm not super familiar with, with Fork, but... You know, I know for the most part, I mean, I would say at least 75% of our, our guys in the league, they're going to be looking for that offshore stuff. I will be as well. And um, I feel like there's probably only a handful of places that they get. Probably most of the guys already know those handful of places that they get. I don't. <laughs> but um, <laughs> hopefully it's going to go down. There's going to be a party, and I hope to be a part of it. That's awesome, man. Well, we look forward to watching that event for sure. It's going to be another fun Elite Series tournament to uh, stay tuned with, and uh, hopefully you knock it out of the park, man. Um, we're going to move into the Nitro Performance Bass Boats listener question segment. This question comes in from Rob Campbell on our Facebook page. A little bit off, but, you know, this is a great all-around year bait. Um, this is what Rob asked, Brian, if you can help him with this question. So many jerk baits on the market. What is the best all-around jerk bait for someone new to the technique? Gosh, that's a hard one. I mean, I definitely maybe like it's a, Maybe it's a good fish. question since you're not a bit, maybe not, not huge into the jerk. If you were to pick one, all your buddies in for me, everything you've seen out there in the tournament world, which one would Brian New pick up first, right? I'm going with two. I'm looking at them right now. I got one, two, three. I got eight boxes of jerk baits, <laughs> completely full. <laughs> <laughs> but the Sproga stick, it's, you know, it's that 110 size bait. It's perfect size, but it's a little bit duller action than a lot of the popular ones. It definitely has its place. Highly pressured fish, really cold water. You know, we're kind of away from that now, but the highly pressured, we're, we're not ever going to get away from that. That's probably my go-to. And then, you know, obviously, like, you know, everybody knows the Mega Bass. It's extremely good bait. It really is. But if I could only pick one, it would probably be that McStick. Um, second would probably be the Mega Bass 110. That's a great point about, you know, a, a jerk bait's not just a jerk bait. You've got some that, that are very erratic, some that are more slashing, and some that have a little bit more duller action. So, and and they're all good in specific circumstances or situations so it is tough to pick just one but um you're going with the confidence there the mixed stick the size and uh they they have a lot of great uh, color selections as well i, I just got to throw this out there i love the i'm a flit jerk bait the i'm a flit 120 yep. it's close to the size of the mixed stick a little bit larger but at the same time it's a little bit thinner and it's got mm -hmm. some uh, wild action too aaron what's your favorite jerk bait to really confuse our listener here <laughs> yeah I, I mean i was gonna say i, I hate we're supposed to be narrowing down the small end of the funnel, but um, I certainly the, <laughs> the three that you guys mentioned I think are my top choice. One that I do like to use when there's smallmouth present is the X wrap, just because it it does have a little more okay. erratic side to side, and you know there's one color that I go to in that, and and that is that bright I call it Mary Kay pink in that springtime of year when there's smallmouth around. And for some reason I don't know why they hit that thing, but they do. So yeah, I, I would definitely lean on the three, probably more heavily 
Ghibli that you guys mentioned versus the X-Rap. But regardless, great question there, Rob. As always, uh, interesting how anglers, you know, use different brands of certain techniques. Brian, certainly appreciate your insight, of course. And Rob, we just simply need you to log on to BassEdge.com, click the Claim Your Prize tab, fill out the information. Let us know that you heard Brian answer your question right here on episode 375. And a Midway USA gift card is going to be heading your way for that question where they have just about everything for fishing and then also shooting, hunting, and the outdoors. And uh, just continued reminder, Bass Edge Nation, we usually throw a post up once or twice a month uh, looking for those questions. So keep looking for that post. You can simply comment on that particular post or send us a DM either way, what's your preference. But uh, we also have that Facebook page out there as well. If your question is chosen to be on the show, you will receive a Midway USA gift card. And as Aaron mentioned, where they have just about everything for shooting, hunting, of course, bass fishing and the outdoors. Well, Brian, always fun having you on Bass Edge. Certainly look forward to doing it again sometime in the near future. Any final thoughts for Bass Edge Nation? Yeah, man, just uh, thanks for having me for sure. Uh, It's always a pleasure. It's always fun, but it's not going to be long. I'm going to be getting my things ready for Forks. In the meantime, uh, me and my wife are fishing a, a tournament on Lake Murray this weekend. So nice. I got to bring my A game because last tournament we fished to this day. She whoop your she butt. Was, <laughs> she said she did. She did catch the biggest fish that day. So and I, I'll never hear the end of it <laughs> ever. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna go try to find a great big one on the bed. And uh, that way, maybe I can catch the biggest one. Rub yeah. that in her face. But, Put her so, in the uh, back of the boat. That's right. But, yeah, man, guys, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. And uh, just keep after it. And uh, Absolutely. catch the bass. Brian, we'll look forward to catching up again sometime, my friend. All the best of luck at Fork. The rest of your Elite Series season. Y'all don't go away. Aaron and I will be right back after this message. Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it, power how you need it, power when you need it. Kurt, as we mentioned, kind of when Brian came on, you know, it's not too many anglers that get to claim uh, being on the show, both as a co-angler champion as well as a, uh, you know, top-tier touring pro champion that has done so in their career. Pretty neat story. Yeah, man, super cool. Uh, Brian takes fishing to a whole nother analytical level in my opinion you know you, you heard him break down the florida fisheries versus cherokee there in tennessee versus hartwell there in south carolina 
and just how detailed he gets when he's looking at a body of water, the style of water, the type of water, the cover available, how the fish transition, uh, specifically, obviously, in the interview, talking about springtime transitions and then post-spawn, you know, tactics. So, I mean, I just feel like his mindset is just different. Did you feel the same way? I agree. You know, it's it's he's kind of one of those few people to where the wavelength is is maybe he processes things much differently. Let's let's just say that you know when you have great mathematicians or engineers or whatever or artists, right. You know, it's like I can't do that and never would be able to. <laughs> and uh, right. I I just think he has an inherent ability that uh, allows him to do things like you mentioned differently. And then you know. Also, I don't want to uh, skip over our, our segment B with Kazuki there talking about, uh, you know, G-Crack. I mean, what what an interesting story, and uh, obviously the baits work. Yeah, man, what a crazy growth uh, and quick growth the G-Crack brands had in the United States. It's almost, uh, you know, they kind of started with this cult following with uh, their unique designs. Of course, he talked about the or the SAF material, you know, within those lures. Um, and I got to mention this, Aaron, we're going to have, Kazuki has agreed after the interview, we were talking a little bit and he is going to supply some products to us to do a giveaway. So Bass Edge Nation, be sure you stay tuned to the Instagram account, uh, Bass Edge Radio and the Facebook Bass Edge Radio. And Aaron, we're going to post up some G-Crack product that we're going to give away. We'll put the directions out there of how to qualify to win this giveaway on the, um, on the posts, obviously, but I want to want to just let people know and push them to our social media because we're going to do this uh, G-Crack giveaway. So some Bass Edge listeners going to go home, not only with all the information we supplied here on the podcast about G-Crack, but also some baits to try. So uh, super cool and big shout out to Kazuki and G-Crack for uh, supplying that uh, to some lucky Bass Edge listener that we will choose in this time frame of May 1 through May 14, while this is the primary episode of Bass Edge Radio that G-Crack is uh, in this special segment for so i'm excited yeah. about that no that is exciting you cannot my, win i know you i know win. that's why i was going to be my next question you <laughs> cut me off but uh, uh very exciting and also while uh people are signing up for that on social media send in a listener question or if you're sending in a listener question be sure and enter for the g crack giveaway and multiple ways and of course the listener questions uh you can get in touch with that uh, midway usa gift card kurt we've had a full episode full of great information fun stuff always a pleasure being at the mic with you uh, but we need to call it quits. Let people get out there and get on the water and uh, hopefully put some of these things that, that we've talked about today to the test. So for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. Uh, be sure to stay on all things Bass Edge through our social media platforms like we mentioned and certainly BassEdge.com. In the meantime, we look forward to hanging with you again for the second show in May, which would be May 15th. So long, everybody. is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Midway USA, Mercury Marine, Power Pole, and Transport Graphics.